Ahoy Mets fans! Welcome to Amazing Avenue and Conversation. My name is Brian Salvatore, and I will be joined in just a minute by Adam Guttridge, the Assistant General Manager of Systematic Development for the New York Mets. We were really thrilled to be able to get Adam on the podcast, and he talks to us about his history in baseball, some of what he's working on for the Mets, sort of in broad strokes, and uh, what his walk-up music would be in baseball. And uh, it's going to be a fun conversation, so stay tuned. I am joined on the podcast today by Adam Guttridge. He is one of the newer additions to the Mets front office. Adam, what is your official title before I butcher it? Uh, it's Assistant General Manager of Systematic Development. Okay. Uh, well, first of all, welcome to Amazing Avenue. We're happy to have you here. Thanks for having me. Uh, so why don't we just start with sort of your baseball secret origin? What got you into baseball when you were younger? Um, by being not good enough to play professionally. <laughs> um, my, my, my story my story is a little bit funny, and it has to do with where I was born and I guess one of those timing events as well. So I grew up in South Florida. I grew up in Sarasota, Florida, which is a you know, really, really nice baseball community. Um, when when I was taken to to sign up and play t-ball for the first time, I was put on a team we were named after major league teams. I was put on a team called the Rockies. And that was 1993, so the Rockies were also an expansion team that year. And I just kind of loved the sport. I began obsessively following, you know, quote unquote, my team in the box scores. Um, and, you know, that, that was the start of it. I kept playing ball forever, but, you know, the interesting thing was with the Rockies, they were the first team to play at altitude. That changed the game in all sorts of ways. Uh, you know, diving into the team, that gave a lot to study. I felt like a lot of my Rockies heroes growing up, you know, Andres Galarraga or Vinny Castilla or Larry Walker later on um, kind of weren't getting their due in a lot of ways offensively. You know, everybody discounted them due to Coors Field. On the other hand, you know, pitchers, weren't given the same benefit of the doubt. Um, guys like Armando Reynoso, Pedro Estacio. Um, you know, I, I wanted to get to the bottom of how the altitude actually impacted the players and affected the game. In the course of doing that, you have to answer a thousand kind of sub questions. Uh, so that was the work an obsession with the Rockies um, an obsession with how the environment impacted the game that was being played. Um, eventually got with a community of people online in the you know earlier days of, I shouldn't say the earlier days of the internet, but the earlier days of baseball fans circling up and asking questions and answering them. Uh, eventually somebody uh, said, you know, hey, I'm a season ticket holder. I have Dan O'Dowd's email address. Can I send him some of this work? I said, yeah, absolutely. Um, Dan began corresponding with me on the back of that. Um, I don't think Dan knew for quite a while that I was 16 or 17. <laughs> and so I, I, I sprung that on him by meeting him in person at, I want to say this was the 2000, maybe the 2001 Sabre Analytics Conference, which was in Denver. Um, met him at the time and I said, hey, I'm Adam Guttridge. And he said, oh, he looked at me and he said, you're Adam Guttridge. And I <laughs> said, yeah. And I said, I'd like to move here and, and work for the Rockies. So I did that. I, you know, after high school, I, um, got accepted to uh, University of Colorado at the Denver campus. I began working with the Rockies uh, out of high school. Wow, that's uh, <laughs> that's a pretty unique origin story, as you said. So that's pretty cool, though. Um, now, with your sort of love of you know numbers and all that, were you an early fantasy baseball guy? Were you somebody who was always cr- creating a team that way, or were your interests always more in analyzing? 
you know, real data versus playing with, with that data. You know, what's funny. I, I never really got into the fantasy side of things. I just, I, I never really felt that way. You know, like I said, growing up where I grew up, I, I had the opportunity to play, you know, higher level competitive baseball than one might otherwise experience, um, you know, through high school and whatever else. I was just lucky, you know, where I was, you might get coached by an MLB pitching coach during the off season. You might, you know, it, the guys I, you know, played alongside or against a lot of guys who are still playing. Um, just baseball was my life, frankly speaking. Now, MLB was a different thing. And I know this kind of sounds dinosaur, but, you know, in the, in the 90s and into the 2000s, my ability to experience an MLB game, the Miami Marlins were three and a half hours away. I never really got to games. Um, so my experience, you know, in the pre big internet days was getting box scores from usually my Colorado Rockies. And often if they're playing on the West coast, you didn't get that box score until two days later. Mm-hmm. So my, my experience of baseball, baseball was very real, very personal, very on field, totally in love with it. My experience of MLB was a lot of times through the records of what was taking place. And that was usually a very analog newspaper um, and you read some column about what happened to the game in San Francisco two days ago. Um, so obviously the kind of proliferation of information with the internet changed that. It changed our capacity to, you know, follow our favorite team, study the game and everything like that. But, you know, my, in short, I'm a baseball rat. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about your role on the Mets. You know, obviously, <clears throat> The Mets, you know, front office changed completely, or not completely, but changed radically over the course of the offseason, and you were brought in to sort of head up the analytics department, or at least to bolster the analytics department. So I think a lot of fans wonder, you know, on a day-to-day basis, what type of stuff are you doing for the Mets? Well, I think, and you know, credit to Brody for coming up with the title, but I think one thing Brody understood kind of dovetails with the conversation here. We don't really view analytics as a pillar within baseball or a wing unto itself. I, you know, frankly, I and we shy away from you know the phrase the analytics in, in any respect. Um, what we're looking at is baseball, and we're trying to make good baseball decisions, good evaluative decisions about the players we put on the roster, good strategic decisions about you know the choices we make on the field in the game, good developmental decisions. How do we help a guy develop a slider? Should this guy be throwing a four-seamer or two-seamer? Good drafting decisions. So how do you make good decisions? Generally, you look at available information. You interrogate that information, hopefully intelligently. Uh, you, you, You test your hypotheses, and you try to do things when, you know, the, the odds or the evidence is most in your favor. So this isn't a, a, the analytic situation. It's baseball. And it's, you know, applying the scientific method uh, to and across baseball. That makes a lot of sense to, I I think, to somebody who is open to that sort of scientific process, you know. But I'm sure that there are people that you run into in your job who are more old school in the way that they approach the game. What are some of the ways that you're able to take some of this more nuanced information and present it to somebody who maybe just isn't, um, isn't used to dealing with information in that sort of way. Sure. Um, I think some of the most rich conversations you can have are with people who spent 
you know, their whole lives. Uh, from one perspective of this game, you realize, you know, these aren't actually different perspectives. In the same time I'm talking about when I'm, you know, after I'm playing Little League for the Rockies or whatever, uh, you know, I'm coming home in, in, in afternoons on WGN watching uh, the Cubs be managed by Jim Riggleman, who's now down in our dugout. And, right. you know, the arc of that whole situation is, is amazing. And the fact that Jim's been in a dugout for, for all that time means, my God, the experience he has first person. Um, when we have these conversations, I think, you know, Jim Riggleman, Dave Island, you know, I'm, I myself, in addition to, to what I'm talking about here as far as, you know, my love of the game and that being an on-field experience with the Milwaukee Brewers. I spent two years living on our player development complex in Arizona. So up close with the players, up close with the coaches on a day-to-day basis. Um, you know, I myself am comfortable in those environments. And also I think, I, I think, and I hope, and I expect the coaches, you know, kind of recognize that. And what you'll find is that 95% of the time we're speaking the same language, having the same thoughts, um, sometimes in somewhat different terms and their relative kind of strengths and weaknesses to having uh, the hyper detailed up close perspective versus the detached kind of results based perspective. Um, I think as an office, a huge percentage of what we do is learning uh, better levels of detail about what's going on on the field of play and then figuring out how to study that. So rather, and I think, you know, our coaching staff and our player development staff picks up on that. So rather than having this be a dictated to, um, you know, kind of the front office uh, does their work and then, and then explains something to the coaching staff from the ivory tower, really it's we're trying to understand what the coaches understand. We're trying to understand what the players are going through, what the players are, you know, giving us as feedback. Mm-hmm. And then we're trying to, you know, make the best decisions we can using the information, the input we get from them. So, you know, I don't want to use a buzzword and just say it's a collaborative process, but that's the truth. So I don't think there's really a division, you know, much as I don't see a a division between, you know, scouting and again, quote unquote, the analytics, we're just talking about baseball. And at times we, we use different terms, but if we can explain the reason for those different terms, if we can explain the concepts behind them, if we have good reasons for our thought processes, we should be able to communicate those. And, and I think we do a good job of that. That makes a lot of sense. And hopefully everybody is as open to collaboration as you are. So, you know, so that the conversation goes well on both ends. Um, I want to talk about projections for a second, because I know in the past you have worked on projection systems and it's something that we are really always fascinated with as, as fans and as fans with the more analytical bent. And so I guess I want to ask about, players that you find hard to project you know every year there's a handful of players that are projected to have monster seasons and just don't and vice versa players that are projected to be nothing and turn out to be have these great seasons and obviously there's a lot of randomness involved you know you have to play the games that sort of thing but when you're doing projections are there certain players and certain types of players that you find tougher to project out than others all players are tremendously variable um, I think we can be guilty of sometimes of understating that reality. Uh, you look at somebody like Max Muncy in the last year, or uh, the, the question I was asked uh, frequently during Brewers days was, "Oh, did you know these projections you produced? Did you see? You know, did you foresee something like um, 
Jose Batista's breakout where he goes from this mundane guy to somebody who I think hit, you know, 52 home runs or, or something in a single season. Um, you know, you kind of with no in between. The answer is, you know, no, <laughs> we, we didn't project that. That's not the way projection works. David Ogren, my partner with Napy, you know, he's fond of saying the dirty little secret about projection is that it's a retrospective science, right? Mm-hmm. It's made projection sort of insinuates that, you know, it's about the future. Really, it's about looking at the past and having a, as clean an understanding as you can of the recent past. Um, and, and what that player's talent level was. The only expectation you can have about a player's talent level presently and therefore into the future is what it's been most recently. And, you know, that's, that's mostly true. That's a slight oversimplification of the concept, but that's basically it. So are there players that are difficult to project um, insofar as there's missing information or um, information which is skewed in a manner in which we couldn't, uh, for which we couldn't correct, I suppose those players would be hard to project. But the truth of the matter is all players are tremendously variable. Um, what you can do is put your bets in the right places, and what you can't do is control how those things shift because sometimes they can shift in, in manners and magnitudes that were extremely difficult to predict. Now, you've worked both in front offices and you've also been a consultant an outside consultant you know hired by baseball teams what are the differences for work in working for a team versus being an outside consultant is there a change in how you approach your job or is it just sort of you know where the paycheck's coming from as crass as that sounds uh it's, it's a change in commute i'll tell you that <laughs> um <laughs> for sure so i i was actually people people often ask me here you know oh uh, how are you enjoying living in new york now i was actually in new york for a good while um uh, i was living in new york prior to uh, moving to milwaukee and working with the brewers for a while and i you know i came back here after after the brewers days and was um you know operating navy primarily out of new york um so I'll tell you what, it's, it's a level of involvement. What I, what I missed about, um, you know, being away from the Brewers day to day and, and doing the, the, the Nafee project was, you know, again, more to that feel in the Arizona days of literally being in the clubhouse with the players every single day, seeing what they're going through, playing catch with them, hitting fungos on occasion, that sort of thing. I mean, there's a level of reality. Again, my love for the game is on the field and there's a level of reality to that, that, you know, when you're detached from it, no matter how well things are going or no matter how much influence you get in building a given team, um, you want to you, you wanna smell the grass and feel the dirt. And it's a really good experience being here now where, you know, um, for example, with Dave Island, our pitching coach, we can talk about it. We can work on a player plan together. We can go talk to the player. Uh, we can get his feedback, we can throw a side session, we can see what the results of that work is, and then you'll see it show up in a game the next day. That's just an awesome feeling, bottom line. Absolutely. Do you find that you're interacting with players more now than when you started working in baseball? Is there more (laughs) acceptance to a non-uniformed member of the staff talking about their pitch selection, their approach at the plate, that sort of thing? Well, first of all, I mean, you know, I'm involved in some of that. The, the, the truth is Brody has a really special skill there. First of all, Brody's a, a great people person. Second of all, his experience as an agent 
and, you know, understanding players on a personal level, he's comfortable talking to anybody. He's right down there every day. His relationships with players are, are just fantastic. Um, you know, I, I do get involved in some of that. Um, you know, I, I, Brody's wonderful with it, as I mentioned. And, you know, I think there's, there's almost a, a generational thing somewhat with players. Um, if you get a guy who's 28 or younger right now and he was a college pitcher, there's an okay chance he had a pitching lab, um, you know, at his university. There's a darn good chance they're, you know, used to reading their own movement plots without any assistance. Any assistance. There's, you know, so their their familiarity with this is not something which really needs much massaging. Um, you know, mileage may vary player to player, but generally you notice, uh, you know, those in their 30s maybe experienced a shift live, and those younger than that, for them, this has maybe been the normal since they were in their teens. So, and also there's just the, the different kind of human uh, interest on that, that exists normally person to person. There are some players for whom that's been available for a long time. They've never cared. They've operated by feel and had great success with it. There are others who are um, extremely kind of introspective, like to examine everything that they've experienced uh, through whatever media they can, and then, you know, incorporate what they observe there into their game plan. Now, um, I'm trying to ask this question in a way that will not get you in trouble with your bosses. Um, but you know, Great. Just sort of, Can't wait for this. <laughs> no, but just sort of look, looking at baseball in general, like what do you see are, are the challenges of putting together a good team? I don't want to say, like, what do the Mets have to do to stay competitive player development-wise and, you know, um, just in terms of putting together good systems, but just sort of overall, kind of on a baseball level, what are some of the things that you think teams need to start taking – either more seriously or start taking seriously to really be ready f to compete with teams that are, you know, investing in these different systems. Well, frankly, let's just talk about it on field for a second. Um, you know, I like when MLB plays uh, classic games from 30 years ago on the network and you see a level of detail um, just in the game on the field that, is markedly different today than it used to be. The way a pitch is received, the care that goes into that, um, how base runners are held, um, the details of the game, how much stronger the players are, how competitive things are, the quality of the chess match that goes on between a batter and a pitcher. Things are more competitive than ever. Um, part of that's, you know, been the change in the game recently. Um, you know, it's true on office level. There's more resources poured into coaching, analysis, scouting uh, these days than there's ever been before. And so, frankly, one of the difficult things in putting a successful team together is there are 29 other teams, and they're all investing heavily, and they're all examining, you know, many of the same questions because as a competitive landscape works, um, if there are obvious opportunities or if there's low-hanging fruit, it's probably already been plumbed. So, you kind of have to keep climbing higher up the tree at this point, looking into more novel spaces and, you know, doing ever sharper and sharper science, I suppose, um, in terms of answering the questions that are in front of you, whether those are evaluative questions, strategic questions, developmental questions. All right. Well, I, a couple more just sort of fun end of the interview questions here. You sure. spend more time at City Field than any of us do, unfortunately for us. Um, what's the food at City Field that's your go-to? 
Oh man. Um, first of all, I think, you know, <laughs> city field, I told you I was living in New York for a while. I loved coming here. I loved coming here from a fan experience perspective, from a ballpark perspective, everything about it. And our players too, will tell you from a pure ballpark perspective, this is one of the best environments in baseball. Um, I could eat my way through this whole stadium twice. I already have this year. I'm probably going to have to slow my roll a little bit. Baseball diet's not being friendly to me lately. Um, I'll tell you what, I can't, there's a, there's a little, there's a little sushi corner, um, over sort of in the right field. We have what's, uh, I think it's called the world fair market. Uh, there's a, there's a, a little sushi place tucked away in that corner. Um, that, that does, you know, a darn fine job. It's been, uh, that's been getting me for the last couple of weeks. Is there a, uh, I don't know. I'm just it, plugging them for free rolls, by the way. <laughs> well, very wise on your part then. Here, I'll, I'll give you another chance to plug here. I, I don't know if you're much of a beer. <laughs> what, what is your go-to beer at City Field? Uh, well, uh, I'll, when I find out, I'll tell you. Um, okay. <laughs> so wait, wait, wait for either like, uh, you know, a, a very, a very celebratory or a very pitiful game. And then, you know, I'll go right into the beers. I'll tell Brody you said it was okay, and oh, you know yeah. we we can follow up. <laughs> Excellent. And um, my co-host Chris, who couldn't be here today, we're both big big music people. So what are you listening to nowadays? What, what's your musical choice? Oh boy, um, Baby Shark, because I have a nine month old daughter Ruth. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. So yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> well, would that also be your walk up music at this point? I think so. You know, Andrus took it. Elvis Andrus took it. And I think that's, um, you know, I, I'm a big fan of uh, Edwin Diaz's um, walk-up song. That's a good, it's a good rhythmic. It's got a beat. It's in the right, the right level of like cool slash intimidating. Uh, I might have to steal his music if he would let me have it. <laughs> well, Adam, I know that you're not, uh, you're not, you know, out there on social media too much doing, doing Mets stuff because, you know, that would be bad for a lot of reasons. But uh, is there anything you want to plug, anything that you're doing, anything you want to shift folks' attention to? It's easy to forget sometimes, you know, as somebody who experienced this game, like I said, for a long time, through box scores and and just generally as being a baseball fan, it's easy to forget the, the sort of face-to-face humanity and the reality of, you know, our players and the places they come from. I've seen baseball in Japan, and I've seen, you know, a uh, guy who was born and raised in Cuba taken at bat in Japan. That's just a cool experience because say, wow, you know, life has taken you this far through baseball. Um, you know, our players come from all regions of the globe, a lot from, you know, Central South America, the Caribbean. Um, you know, there's a lot going on in Venezuela that's been going on for a while. Um, it's, you know, easy as people, you know, here to think that's a far away thing and that's just a news headline or something. Uh, honestly, for a lot of the baseball world, that's very, very close to home. You know, that's a human human uh, story that's that's affecting people's lives. Uh, often, of the of the players we we you know idolize and watch on day to day basis. So, I think it's just important to be aware of that. That for many of the people you love in baseball, um, their lives, their families the things they care about, the things they grew up in, um, you know, are in the midst of, of a very difficult humanitarian situation. So whatever can be done on, on that basis um, from awareness on down, I, I think is important. Well, thank you so much for joining us and uh, let's go Mets. 
Let's go Mets. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, as always, for listening. And thank you again for Adam and for the Mets for providing the opportunity for us to speak with Adam. Make sure to go to that sushi stand in City Field and tell him Adam sent you. Try and get him some free rolls on our behalf. Uh, you're welcome, Adam. Um, go to AmazonAvenue.com for all your Mets needs. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. I'm on Twitter at Brian Needs a Nap. Check out all the amazing podcasts on the Amazing Avenue Podcast Network. And until next time, let's go Mets. Let's go Mets.